Hello, this is Cameron Cole, and I'm the Director of Children, Youth, and Family at the Church of the Advent, and I'm the Founding Chairman of Rooted Ministry. It promotes gospel-centered youth ministry, and today, as usual, we're going to talk about the intersection between the gospel, God's truth, and parenting. So we're going to continue with our second episode on the series about understanding our kids by understanding sin. So the promise, the, sorry, the premise of this series uh, is that, you know, we can better understand our children by better understanding their sinful nature. Um, a lot of times we tend to kind of naively have the, what I like to call the Melissa, Melissa McLaughlin, sorry, Sarah McLaughlin, Sarah McLaughlin um, mentality of we are born innocent we see that precious little baby and they're so sweet and they're so cute. And we love to kiss their cheeks and they love to hug mommy and daddy and they want us to hold them. And, um, and you know, and we see our beautiful little children and uh, there is something beautiful and glorious about them. They're made in the image of God and they're a human being, which means that they're sacred. They're really the pinnacle of God's creation. And, you know, they, because they're made in the image of God, they do have some, some good impulses. Um, they do. Uh, they, they want to love and smile and things like that. And their primary nature is driven by sin. <laughs> your, child, your child is born with a, with a sinful nature. And their, their default mode uh, is to sin and to rebel against God's law. And so th- when we understand that, it, it better equips us to understand our child. It helps us to lead them, to protect them, uh, and to have compassion on them. Um, and so in this second episode, uh, we're going to talk about not being surprised and not being naive. Not being surprised and not being naive. And how understanding our child's sin nature and their desire to sin, their desire to rebel against God's law, um, that's that's going to protect us uh, to some degree from being surprised or from being naive. Okay, so what I mean when I'm talking about being surprised is this is something that's probably come out of every parent's mouth, you know, a half dozen to a dozen times, but their child does something and it's bad. You know, it's you know whether whether it's you know they they smack the neighbor's kid in the face with a a big log or, or, or you, you know, you caught your kid with a bag of weed or you caught your kid looking something inappropriate on, on the internet. And we say like, how, how could you do something like this? Uh, you know, we're so surprised we're outraged. Then on the other hand, uh, we can be naive. Uh, Johnny, Johnny would never do something like that. You know, I don't have to worry about locking the liquor cabinet this weekend when we go out of town and Johnny is here by himself because Johnny just wouldn't do something like that. Okay, that's that's naive. <laughs> that's naive. When we think that our child is not capable of any kind of sin, that's naive. And so the you know what we're you know in trying to prevent being surprised. Uh, the reason we want to, uh, we're, we're going to kind of move in that, or hopefully move in that direction today by talking about your child's desire to sin, 
is because um, when we are surprised by our child's sinful behavior, uh, then we tend to shame our kids. Um, because the surprise is this. We have an expectation that our children are going to act and behave a certain way. Um, some of that is because we feel like we've raised them right. You know, we've raised them in a good Christian home. And then on the other side of that, and so then when our child does something bad, they are falling below our expectations. Or we just have a total misapprisal of their human nature. We think that they're good. You know, we think hey, this is a good he's a good kid. And it may be true. Like in a sense, it's a good kid. I, I in my ministry, I see a lot of really good kids. And those kids are also like they're sinful. Like that's to the core. That's their nature. That's their primary default mode. Um, so when we're surprised, we've kind of lost touch with what the Bible says about human nature. And we tend to shame our kids because they have fallen below expectations that we have. And those expectations are probably more about our uh, misapprisal um, than it does to do with our child and their bad behavior. On the other hand, being naive, uh, when we're naive, uh, we, we really can endanger our children. Uh, I see it all the time where parents just do not want to accept or cannot accept that, uh, you know, their child has this thing inside them that really does endanger them to make bad decisions uh, that could really hurt them and other people. And that thing inside them is their flesh and is a sinful nature. And so, um, and so we're going to look at how it is helpful, how it's going to help you uh, relate to, understand, and respond to your child when you understand that your child naturally wants to sin. They naturally want to rebel against God's law, um, no matter how quote-unquote good or compliant they may be. And so we're going to look at a few scriptures. We're going we're gonna to just briefly uh, examine them. And then I'm, I'm going to have a, few, a couple of stories and some applications to, to land the plane. But you know, starting in John 3, verse 19, John 3, verse 19, it says, and this is judgment, that light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Notice that. People love darkness. And look, it's true. Like, there's a reason why uh, movies are violent, and they have sexual content in them that's inappropriate. Or they have lots of profanity, or they talk about lots of inappropriate things. There's a reason people love to watch trashy TV <laughs> and, and really, you know, can't step away from uh, quarrels and conflicts on social media. It's because we love darkness. Um, we really enjoy it, you know, and, 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 <laughs> and it's, a, it's a sobering thing to admit, but it, that's, that's true of all of us. You know, I, I, I feel it in my flesh. And, um, and so that's true of your child. Like your, your child naturally um, likes darkness. Your child naturally likes sin. You know, wh why is it that kids want to get drunk? Because they, because they like it. <laughs> why is they want to have premarital sex? Because they enjoy the rush of sin. They enjoy the sensation of sensual sin. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong. They, they are also, there's, there's a, a God-given, appropriate, healthy desire to have sex. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that. But, but you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Like, we love darkness. Now, in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So, you know, sometimes we want to tend to think, ah, it's the devil. The devil is trying to get me to sin. And, you know, the devil is real. Spiritual warfare is real. And so there's some truth in that. And the devil is just playing off our own sinful desire. We have we are lured and enticed by our own sinful desires. You know, in the in the Lord's Prayer, when it says, "Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil," the uh, the lead us not into temptation part is recognizing that uh, there is a danger within us. There is a, a dangerous desire and allure to sin, um, and so we're asking God to protect us from our the, from from the danger within us, our own sin. Um, and so that's, that's what, that's kind of what James is getting at here. He says in verse 15 going on, it says, then desire when it has, it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death. So, you know, he finishes that by saying that it's the, it's the, the sin originates in our heart and that sin in our heart manifests itself in the bad behavior. It's out of the sinful nature that this comes. All right. Last text we're going to look at is uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 20. Um, this is kind of long, but I'm going to make a short point on it. This is the Apostle Paul, and this is kind of a famous, you know, internal struggle type text. It says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it was to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I once, I, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the command came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it, it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is righteous and good. Um, and, you know, Paul goes on to say, I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Oh, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So he's saying, you know, sin, but because of sin in us, we naturally want to rebel against the rules. Your, ch- your child naturally wants to rebel. Um and, and we all get that, right? When we see a sign that says, wet paint, don't touch, we really want to touch it. That kind of incites us. I want to tell you the stupidest sign I've ever seen in my life. I was in a gas station in Montgomery, Alabama, on the way to the beach. And some, there was a sign in the bathroom over the garbage can that said, do not urinate in the garbage can. Now, folks, I just want to tell you that I don't think there are many people who on a daily basis naturally are thinking, huh, I'm going to urinate in the garbage can. But let me just tell you, with that sign there, holy cow, I bet you there was several people every week, as a result of that sign, would urinate in the garbage can. When we see don't do something, we just want to do it. And you see that with young kids when they test, right? You say, hey, don't get out of the corner. You cannot come out of timeout. They want to inch away. They want to inch away. Or, hey, don't touch that. And they want to get that finger as close as they can, right? It's because 
ascend and then they naturally want to rebel against the rules. Um, and <laughs> then didn't you love my gas station story? Wow, that's a zinger. Um, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. I knew the second I saw that sign, I was like, that is going to be preachable. I'm going to be using that one. <laughs> Anyhow, and so just, you know, to tell you a couple of stories, you know, I have seen, I've, and I, you know, I've done this kind of thing myself, but I've seen it in more extreme situations where a child has gotten into really big trouble. Like, you know, the kind of trouble where the pastor gets called over. And the parents are, you know, kind of chewing out the child. And the, the primary way that the parent is relating to the child is through shame. You know, how could you do this? We raised you better than this. You know, what is this going to make us look like as parents? Like, we don't do things like this. And it's all these kind of things where it's, it's shaming the child. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, when a child does something really bad, they obviously need to be corrected. But this is the kind of thing, I mean, taking it to a level where you're kind of attacking the child's personhood, attacking their worth, and just talking about how they are not measuring up. They are not measuring up to your expectations. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have reasonable expectations for our kids, uh, but I am saying that we shouldn't have too optimistic of expectations for people who are sinful. Um, we shouldn't be terribly surprised by what they do. You know, and so you know, when you're, you're, let's say you're a parent of a teenager and you, um, or, you know, or an early, a late elementary, early middle school kind of kid, and you find that they've been looking at pornography, and this may, might be your son or your daughter, and you are just shocked, like, oh my goodness, how could you do that? Like, don't, look, don't be surprised. Like, I'm going to tell you, any boy, most boys, like 98.5% of boys, this is me making up a statistic, they want to look at pornography. They want to look at pictures of naked women. It's, it's weird. But they, you know, it's 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 weird, you know, objectively speaking, but th that is like something they are naturally inclined to do, and that's not like oh, boys will be boys. That's sin. Like looking at pornography is sinful, and it's because they have a desire to sin and lust and objectify women that they do that. Like we, I know that it can be just like stunning for a parent when they find out that their child has has been drinking, um, or their child comes home drunk. Um, and, you know, they, it's just, it can be shocking. And, you know, you may have a compliant child and it is kind of surprising. But the thing to kind of coach yourself, you know, to tell yourself internally, like your internal self-talk, is to remind yourself that your child is a sinner who wants to sin. Certainly, we, we don't want them to do that. We, you know, we want them to obey God's law and whatnot. But we also don't want to be surprised when they you know, when they get in trouble for doing stuff or when they do things that, that really scare us. And so, um, and so accepting this sinful nature enables us to not be surprised. And we're not as surprised. What this enables us to do is when our kids do really bad things, we can relate to them with a little more of a clear head. We go from what they say, so, you know, there's a saying uh, that, the, that the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous uses. They say going from... Um, from oh crud to no crud. Like, oh crud, I freak out my child of sin. Well, no crud, your child's a sinner. That, that's, that's, that's kind of in their DNA. That's what they do. Um, and that enables you to not just deal with them in terms of shame. Um, it enables you to have compassion um, and to deal with your child in that way. And it enables you to 
dole out the consequences with a level head and in a reasonable way. Um, and to not do it out of fear and out of outrage and, and because you're freaking out. Okay? So, so that's one thing. Second thing when it comes to being naive. Story. I will never, this is a, I'll never in my life hear this long time ago. Not someone who goes to our church, to, to my church, so I'm not telling one of my parents. But uh, a parent was telling me they were worried because their kid wasn't getting enough sleep. So we talked and we talked and we talked. And this child was in the, I think, in the eighth grade. And uh, the, the mother confessed that she had come upstairs and he was up in the middle of the night, you know, at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. He was, um, when, as soon as she'd come in the door, he would slam the computer shut. And I'm like, well, duh. Kids looking at porn. Duh. No doubt. And, uh, well, the child, I said, well, you know, did you check the history? No, I didn't check the history. I said, do you know, he's, he's looking at pornography. That's like almost definitely what's happening here. And the parent, and I asked the parent, I, I'd say, like, do you have any filters? Do you have any protections? Do you have any kind of monitoring device where you can see, you know, what he's looking at on the internet or that's, that prevents him from going certain places? Like, no, we don't, we don't have that. And she said, you know, he's just so young. He's just not into that kind of stuff yet. This child was like 14 years old. And, um, and it was just like there was this naivete that, first off, there was probably something else going on there. Um, you know, the, the, the parent was probably, didn't want to accept that their child was growing up. So there was, there was something along those lines. But there was also just a total misappraisal of the child's human nature. 14-year-old um, boys generally who are on the computer at one or two or three at night and slam it when their parents come in the door, it's because they're looking at porn. And, um, and so, uh, and so with that being said, the, the, the mother, first off, you know, just didn't want to acknowledge or, or, or I, I don't know, I, I don't want to speculate, but the, the parent had not acknowledged that their child was a sinner who is, has, who was naturally enticed by, uh, darkness as it says in John three. And so as a result of that, they had done nothing to protect their child. They had, you know, they had not put on any filters. They hadn't put on covenant eyes. They didn't, they, they allowed to have their child, you know, their, their child to have free reign over a mobile device like in his bedroom. Terrible. That's not a good idea. This is a really bad idea. And so with that being said, you know, we obviously can't completely insulate our kids from sin. You're, you can't, you can't manage your kid's sin. Don't, we don't want to go to an extreme. Um, and at the same time, there are just certain common sense things that uh, that parents should do um, to protect their kids, knowing that a developmentally they have no ability to do risk management, and b um, because of their sinful nature, they want to they want to sin. Uh, and so, you know, a, another example of this would be Snapchat. Um, look, I mean, Snapchat. Uh, any girl who has Snapchat. Is is being solicited for naked pictures? That's just that is a that is a standard understood thing amongst teenagers and youth pastors. I said it to parents in my youth groups as many times in my youth group as many times as I can. Um, and yeah, that's just that's just the reality. Um, and uh, probably more girls than than any of us would like to admit have sent inappropriate pictures to a guy. Or, or the other way around, vice versa, through Snapchat, because you can, it can't be traced. You can do whatever you want. It can't be traced. Traced. There's no record of it. Um, and so, and, and Snapchat's also a way that 
you know, kids, kids get their hands on drugs and alcohol because they can, you know, snap a person and send them a message that way and it goes away. So there's no, there's no record. So, um, and so with that being said, like knowing your child's nature, uh, you having, you know, allow your child to have a, a device like Snapchat that really enables them to do whatever they want without, with, with, without um, any kind of, you know, accountability or repercussion or record. Uh, it's, it's not a very good idea. Um, and it's being naive. Uh, it's being naive to our child's sinful nature when we let them have, you know, free reign on the internet and let them have things like Snapchat. Um, so with that being said, to kind of, um, to, to land the plane here with a few applications. One, I've already hit on this, but you know, within reason, knowing that your child has a sinful nature, it is a, uh, it's a wise thing to have certain protections and boundaries. Um, yeah, to have certain, to have certain boundaries and protections like on your computer, like, you know, um, not, not like if you're going out of town, um, locking up your liquor and things of that nature. Um, I, I don't, I'm not saying go over the top. I mean, I, I know that there, you can, you can secure or watch your child more intensely than the CIA is watching terrorists. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know how wise that is. Um, that's for you to decide as a parent. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that, but I also would say be, be, have a reasonable protections and boundaries knowing that your child wants to sin. Second thing, um, don't, don't shame your child. Um, when your sin child, when your child sins, um, be compassionate. I just acknowledge, hey, you're a sinner. And, and I'm not, I, I discipline your child. You need to discipline your child. That's, that's part of how they learn and grow. That's part of how they discover that they, they themselves are a sinner and they need the grace of God and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to change them into someone that is different. So 100%, as God leads you, be disciplined. Discipline your child. But don't discipline your child out of fear and out of outrage and as a means of shaming them. Discipline them so that they grow, so that they grow and that they're transformed. Um, and, you know, and as I say that too, again, I'll repeat this. As you're discipline child, just acknowledge, hey, you're a sinner. Like, I'm a sinner too. We need, we need to grow. Like, we need the Holy Spirit to help us grow and be transformed. And so um, just call a thing what it is. Call a spade a spade. Acknowledge that they're a sinner. Um, but God's grace is there for them. Third, uh, this is, you know, this, this, when we have an accurate appraisal of our child's sinful nature, we can, we can use incidents where they get in big trouble or they do something really bad to share the gospel with them. Um, to, to, you know, you're, you're not so astonished by their sin. Um, you're also not so naive that you can say like, hey, this is, this is life. Like we continually sin. We continually break God's law. And like, listen, I want you to know Jesus loves you in this and he forgives you in this. The sin is forgiven through Christ. Um, and that can be kind of your found the foundation of how you, how you then go forward and discipline your child. Um, and then finally, understanding this means that it's an opportunity for us as parents to be sanctified and grow. Because I think probably one of the most devastating things for me as a parent is seeing the worst of my kids' behavior um, and my kids are super sweet and they're sinners. They're depraved, little, sweet, little, cute, little sinners. <laughs> um, but I, when I see the worst in them, what's so frustrating is I am looking in the mirror 
you know, when my kids are super self-absorbed and don't care about anybody else, oh man, what a stinger because I'm just like them. I'm the worst. And when they're, you know, won't stop watching the TV or won't stop watching, you know, videos on the computer or whatever, and when I tell them to, not much different than me being on my phone, texting my friends or listening to podcasts or, you know, doing whatever, you know, their, their bondage to technology is not any different than mine. And so, you know, as we, you know, kind of have realistic expectations that our kids do naturally want to sin and break God's law. Well, when we see it in them, we can let it be a mirror because that's how we are too, right? <laughs> We're, we have the same, we, we, we come from the same two parents. We have the same, same DNA, um, same sinful nature that they do. And so when we look at their sinful behavior, we can relate it back to our own selfishness and darkness and um, and we can we can then turn to the Lord with that and be transformed. So, anyhow, I'm telling you, I know that talking about sin is not doesn't seem like fun, but it is going to help you understand and relate to your child to have an accurate understanding of your child's nature. So, thanks. Um, I'm going to pray for us. Thanks for listening, God. Uh, we are so thankful that you sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, so that um, we are forgiven. And God. Help us to love our love and understand our kids well. Um, help them to be gracious to them as they have been, as you've been gracious to us. And help us to discipline them in the same way that you, as a good father, uh, discipline us. Give us wisdom and knowledge in that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.